Hi, I'm John Meese, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. John Meese has returned to have a productive conversation with yours truly, and this is a good one. They're all good ones, but to have someone I've spoken to before, there's just a candor that you could have that, you know, just elevates the conversation the second time around, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth. And after today's conversation, John will be back, for sure. He is an economist turned entrepreneur who's on a personal mission to eradicate generational poverty by helping entrepreneurs create thriving businesses And that's why he wrote Survive and Thrive, how to build a profitable business in any economy, including this one. And that's what we get into during this conversation today. He is the CEO of Cowork.inc, co-founder of Notable, and host of the Thrive School podcast. So let's just get into this conversation today and see how you don't just survive, but you can thrive as an entrepreneur and, and build a profitable business in any economy, including this one, the one we're in right now. No matter when you're listening to this, the one you're in right now, this can happen. Enough of me. Let's hear both of us. Here's here's my conversation with John Meese. John, thank you for taking the time to join me on a productive conversation and for a productive conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. So the book is called Survive to Thrive, uh, How to Build a Profitable Business in Any Economy and then in parentheses, which I love, including this one. So <laughs> as soon as I started to, when I saw that, I'm like, this is timeless because mm-hmm. it's this one. So I want to get that right out of the way. Is yeah. Okay, so right now as we're recording this, it is uh, late September of 2021. So someone listening to this three years down the road should still be able to take this, regardless of what the economy is in, and still be able to survive and thrive. Yes. Why was it important for you to... Like first off, writing this book in the in the heart of and using this this is making it a bit more timely of a pandemic, a global pandemic. What were the challenges that you faced when you're putting this together? How do I make this so that there's a timeless element to this? And was that even a struggle for you to put together? Oh, for sure, it was a struggle. I mean, it was at least a labor, perhaps. But mm-hmm. I think that um, from the beginning, someone gave me the advice a long time ago that to create to create and to write, um, you know, content long before books, but specifically with my book that is both timely and timeless. And at first you think, Mm -hmm. well, wait a second, you can't be both. You can't, you know, got to pick one or the other, but no, actually when you look at it and you realize that, okay, sure, there's a lot of things that are very unique to this crisis that we're going through. I mean, specifically from the health implications, the political implications, there's very, a lot of things that are very unique to the crisis that we're going through today. But the reality is crisis as a category, is part of the human condition. Whether it's an economic crisis, whether it's a personal family crisis, we're always either, and I, I quoted this, uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who it was, but but somebody, one of the quotes that I included in the book was talking about how uh, we're always either go, you know, going into a crisis, it, currently in a crisis, or coming out of a crisis. I mean, that's just kind of like the human condition. Yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, I focused on what are some fundamental business principles. Like if you take away all the fluff, take away all the stuff that works really great when the economy is booming. What is the Mm -hmm. fundamental archetype of a successful business that can do really well when the economy is not doing well, when it's unstable, that's then going to actually put you on a really strong footing so when the economy does do well, you are primed to profit from that? You know, as I went through the book um, and right in the back, like it says right on the back, the back matter, it says when COVID-19 became a global Mm -hmm. pandemic. So right out of the gate, you're Mm -hmm. like, you weren't pulling any punches on that. Right. 
Um, I want to I want to touch on some of the other people that are mentioned back here because you've worked with two of the people that have you know especially Michael Hyatt. You've worked with him, so some of the I mean I've seen Michael run his business for years, and you've been on the inside of you yeah. were on the inside of that. Um, right out of the gate, I want to like, and Michael's been on the podcast on a, a number of occasions as well. Um, when I'm looking through the book and I see some of the lessons that you have, uh, can you share a lesson that maybe you learned from Michael? At least, yeah, I know you're a little lot, but sure. maybe one that you're like, this really applies to what I'm talking about in this book. Yeah. Well, I mean, I quote, so, I mean, the book itself, like, okay, so I've, I've, I've built like, a few businesses myself from scratch. Yep. And so I have some measure of experience. I also have a degree, a degree in economics and an academic background. So I have some degree of experience. But for this book to be applicable, I wanted to make sure that it was three-dimensional and that it included mm-hmm. more perspective. And so going into it, Michael was the first person I interviewed, but I actually right. interviewed three dozen different of people that I consider some of the best and brightest minds in business today to get their insight into what they were doing, what they were seeing, what was working, so I could do my job of picking out the pattern. And so you'll notice mm-hmm. there's tons of quotes and stories throughout the book that come from a lot of different people because yeah. I wanted this to be more than just John Meese's John Meese's opinion on how to build a business. <laughs> um, and so because of that, I actually quote Michael pretty heavily in the first chapter where I talk about the fact that um, entrepreneurship, what is entrepreneurship? Well, it's it's solving problems for a profit. you know. And, and I love this, the lesson, I got this directly from Michael, where right at the beginning of the lockdown, in March 2020, everyone's running around like a chicken with their head cut off, freaking out. We're like, what is going on? No one really knows. And Michael Hyatt's business accelerator coaching program um, and at the time, I was still working with him on his leadership team, you know, with Michael Hyatt. Um, and he got together with all of his coaching clients, who are all business executives, highly successful entrepreneurs. And they're saying, like, Michael, what do we do? I mean, like, our business is not. This is crazy. Like, we don't, we don't know what to do. And he said, Well, do your customers have more problems or less problems than they did two weeks ago or a year ago? And everyone said, Well, yeah. I mean, they've got more problems. He said, Well, then get to work. Because your job as an entrepreneur is to solve problems for a profit. We're the business of solving problems. And so when problems arise, our job is then to, is then to create a solution to that problem, not to shy away from it. Now, that also means the consequence of that, and I do have a kind of warning label on that at the beginning of the book, that choosing a path of entrepreneurship means you're choosing a path of problems for the rest of your career. So okay. I don't want to hear an entrepreneur complaining that like, oh, man, you know, there's just this problem that we keep running into. Yeah, if there weren't problems, we wouldn't need entrepreneurs because everything mm-hmm. would just work like a well-oiled machine. We need entrepreneurs because they're problem solvers. Um, so that's one thing that I learned directly from Michael that had a huge impact. Uh, and then later, as I as you go down, just the back matter. Mike McCallowitz, who's also been on the, on on this podcast, yeah. and I mean, as soon as I, when I open to the table of contents and meet, I'm like, oh, prioritize profit first. I'm like, I wonder who that who, who where that comes from. <laughs> so yeah. so I know that Mike's talked about this before. We touched on it in the episode that uh, that he was on when he talked about his book Get Different, because um, we did because I use profit first and such. So and I don't want to make this a profit first commercial, but clearly sure. clearly um, that's something that a lot of people don't think about, and yet. Again, the book's called Survive and Thrive. So mm-hmm. putting that in there, I think, is a huge a huge uh, thing to consider, right? Yeah, and, fa- and so Michael Hyatt has had a huge impact on me. I mean, working closely with him for years as a, you know, on his leadership team was incredibly instrumental. He t- continues to have a great impact on me. Mike Michalowicz, however, is the only person who gets an entire chapter of my book dedicated to nothing but telling you to go read Mike Michalowicz's books. Um, so, and I am like, a, like I've gone through, I don't actually use it. And like, I don't, I don't sell this 
to people, but like sure. I've gone through certification programs in like Fix This Next and Mike McCallowitz and stuff just because I find it so valuable. And so I paid to go through the certification program to be able to say, hey, I'm a Fix This Next advisor. You can pay me for that, which is like his overarching framework. Yeah. Yeah. But I did that more for me than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so the way my book is structured, Survive and Thrive, you know, it's it's equal parts sales, marketing, and finance. Now, there's yep. a little bit first of just like, what is entrepreneurship? Because, hey, I've got a degree in economics, and if I can't wax a little bit on the philosophy of creating wealth through through business, well, then that was a – well, okay, it was kind of a waste of time to get an economics degree. But still, I'm going to try to plug it in there somewhere. Right. So I do come at first with a little bit of philosophy of what is an entrepreneur and why, do we, why does that matter? But then it's equal parts sales, marketing, and finance because it's not enough to just get people's attention with marketing, Right. It, you have to actually convert their, that attention to revenue. And it's not enough mm-hmm. to generate revenue to have a successful business. You also need to keep that revenue and manage that money well. And so profit first, I think, is really the most important. Like if you learn one financial strategy as an entrepreneur that's going to dramatically impact your ability to succeed long term, with, then um, that's profit first. And so I do have a whole chapter dedicated to that. But I also have another chapter dedicated to talking about becoming cash flow positive, which is another thing most entrepreneurs don't think about, is mm-hmm. the question of, you know, do you do you spend your money before or after a customer pays you for your time or service, you know? And so with, with like, with, I mean, the simplest example of that is with like a freelance work of some kind, like consulting or coaching, is that it's kind of standard practice for consultants or coaches to do all the work first and then send an invoice and hope they get paid. Yeah. Um, but I just say, why? I mean, you're putting all that time and effort in do everything you can to become cash flow positive where you get the money on the front end. Now, maybe mm-hmm. maybe your clients don't want to pay you the full thing on the front end. I've actually never had a client uh, push back on that. I just always invoice up front. Um, but I've had other people who said, well, in my clients, in my industry, they won't do that. I was like, okay, well, then ask for a deposit. Do whatever you can to become more cash flow positive. And that becomes even more important when you're talking about building a business where you've got inventory and you know, you know, you know payroll and all kinds of complicated stuff mm-hmm. that most entrepreneurs don't recognize the cost of working capital they're building up in their business by not being cash flow positive. So that's another thing we talk about in the finance section of the book. When you were writing this book and through the interviews you had, what was what was the thing as you went through it that you kind of nodded your head in agreement? Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody mm-hmm. and, and you're so on the same wavelength, yet you maybe haven't had that depth of a conversation with them before you're like oh yeah yeah like i mean i've listened to a few books i'm like oh he's preaching to the choir at this point what what one is there one particular interview where you're like okay yeah this is we're right we're we're surfing the same wave at this point so go ahead definitely but first time let me just say that i think the one that comes to mind is actually indicative of a theme that came up in all my research into this which Mm -hmm. is that these um you know uh, what's like the stereotypical image of a capitalist? Maybe it's the guy from the the Monopoly Man, like sort of like you know, like a big cap and a monocle and like money pulling out of his pockets. Well, all these capitalists that I was talking to kept coming back to the, just the passion of service at the center of right. their business, you know, of serving people, of making the world a better place. And that was a theme that showed up over and over again. And so, I t- of course, it's a theme that also shows up in my book. But I love the way Rabbi Daniel Lapin specifically spoke about this. And if you don't know him, you know, he's a Jewish rabbi for like and he focuses on personal finance and like and business and entrepreneurship as like and just like referencing like you know jewish wisdom Mm -hmm. and that's fascinating by itself but i love this what he says specifically about the aspect of service is that he said that you know if you 
when you serve other people, when you serve other people, they give you certificates of appreciation with presidents' faces on them. And that's, I mean, that's what, that's what money is. It's just mm-hmm. a certificate of appreciation with the president's face on it. And so the focus is then it becomes about how do you serve someone in such a way that uh, you earn some of that certificates of appreciation. And it really just, it just adds so much beauty and optimism to the whole experience of business. It's still hard work, um, but, uh, but it's important work. Did you, um, during the process, also find something that totally floored you or surprised you? Like, was like, oh, like that, that, I wouldn't, maybe not an aha moment, but one of those, like, I never really thought, I mean, obviously what you just shared is something you never, maybe didn't mm-hmm. think about that way. But there, was there one that was like, oh, yeah, and this definitely has to go in there because I didn't really think about it from that vantage point, but now this makes total sense. Yeah, so, um, okay, well, there's a couple things that come to mind, um, but I mean, the, the first thing one that I think is really practical is just that there are only five ways to grow a business. Mm. And you think like, what? John, no. I mean, there's like a thousand ways to grow a business. Sure, but there are only five categories. There's really only right. five growth models, and I haven't okay. yet found a growth model that goes outside of this. Mm-hmm. Now, there's three that Eric Ries introduces in his book, The Lean Startup, and mm-hmm. um, one of those is viral growth, which is about your, you know, the word of your business spreading from person to person, kind of organically, without having to interact with you directly, much like mm-hmm. a virus, spreading from person to person without having to go back to patient to zero every time. Right. Um, but, you know, often referred to as word of mouth marketing too, but viral growth. The sure. second is paid growth where you pay money to feature your business on billboards or Facebook ads or whatever that might be to get in front of your target customer to to grow. The third is sticky growth where you develop irreplaceable infrastructure in your industry. My favorite example of this is QuickBooks, that if you use QuickBooks to manage the – and I, I guess I, I should probably ask them for like a sponsorship fee because I reference this all the time, but – <laughs> they don't pay me anything. I pay them, in fact. But if you pay them, if you pay QuickBooks to use their software to run the finance or the accounting in your business, then like you're never going to switch because right. they, it's sticky. Because you, over time, the longer you use the product, the more financial history you have in QuickBooks, the more your tax records are there, your payroll's probably there. Um, you've got. And we see this with devices. We see this with devices too. Like oh, once sure. you're in the Apple, once you're in the Apple ecosystem, it's so it's hard sticky. to switch, right? Or exactly. camera gear. Like if you're a Canon camera person, you're like. I bought all this gladly. Oh, the new Nikon came out. You're like, yeah, but I. Nah, it's a new so, interface. Right, right, exactly. The same so thing same with principle. car brands. You know, it's yep. very, they're very sticky as well. You know, yep. like it's yep. like yep. once you get because even if the, you get into even if the difference between a Chevy and a Nissan is not really dramatic underneath the hood, you sit down in the seat and you're like, all the buttons are in different places. I don't know how this mm-hmm. works at all. Yep. Um, so sticky growth is 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 a is a growth strategy that you can become irreplaceable infrastructure in your industry and then. That actually opens the door to a lot of different ways you can grow because all of a sure. sudden it's about the long game where you know one customer is worth a lot of money. So you can spend mm-hmm. a lot of time and energy doing cold calls or free discovery or free discovery sessions or you know sponsoring events or or whatever you want or, or mail mail flyers in the mail. You can do print mail campaigns, any of that kind of stuff to get customers because you know that it's you you can see how that once they're in there they're hooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a crazy extreme example of this, Mastercard you know figured out that they could partner with. Mattel to put uh, to make sure that Barbie had a little MasterCard card she could swipe, so that when those customers, when those little girls became customers in ten years, they were like, yeah, they were they were deciding to get a MasterCard because it's sticky. that's what Barbie that's what Barbie that's used. what Barbie had. Yeah, yep, so yep. that's a maybe extreme example, but um, so I think there's two other growth models that Eric missed out on, and they're they're like nuances, they're really just combinations of some of the other three, and so I add those other two in my in my book. 
one of them is search engine optimization or SEO growth, mm-hmm. which because it's it's kind of like viral growth and that it's like a referral system, but it's robot referrals, right? It's yeah. Google who's the friend who's saying, hey, you should check out Mike Vardy's stuff. It's great. Yeah. yeah. The way you succeed. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and it again, but it's it's a skill set. Like that's yeah. why. It, it, and actually, there's lots. That's why there's SEO marketers out there. There's yes. Like, so it's and it's very. It can be very nuanced too, right? For sure, for sure. If I were to take away all the nuance and frustrate all of the SEO marketers by taking away all of the really complicated stuff they do, that's genuinely helpful and oversimplify SEO, I would say it's really all about becoming the answer key to your industry. So whenever someone right. has a question. You've got the answer because Google's mm-hmm. in the business of giving people answers. They don't really write answers. They just kind of – they're like the traffic cop. They're like, oh, yeah, you should talk to this guy. You should go that way. Or yep. maybe it's more like a tour. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ConVo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. They also, through that search engine, like, okay, well, I know this person likes, you know, Apple products. Yeah. Therefore, we're going to serve them more because of this. And th- so they, the yeah. SEO, they, they kind of go hand in hand. And yes. when it comes to nuance, I mean, uh, you know, my stuff... I don't really use a lot of SEO, and I should. And I get a lot of crap from people. They're like, you, why don't you use like all these tools? I'm like, well, sometimes the best SEO, in fact, often it's length of – like it's just the length of time because Google likes yeah. that too. But adding that along with some optimization makes a whole lot of sense. Some people go overboard, yes. right, where they just optimize to the point where it's like this isn't even really readable. It's not human. Because... <laughs> it's not, yeah. You still need to right. optimize for humans, right? Because even sure, the, algor- absolutely. The, the algorithm changes all the time, but it's because right. the algorithm is trying to get better at recommending things for humans. So just skip mm-hmm. the algorithm and focus on the humans and you'll right. do okay. Right. But if I could just push back a little bit, Mike, of you, sure. I know there's that like guilt of saying like, well, I should do SEO. Maybe – but what I teach is that the point of understanding these five, and there's one more growth model we'll talk about. Sure. The point of understanding these five is so you can pick one, hyper-focus on it, and that's really all you need to be successful. You just need to be the master of one growth model. You don't need to do all five. And I think that's that's prob- that's prob what I've done because yeah. it's the same thing with social media. Like, oh, you got to get, get good at one platform, yep. and that's going to be helpful. Get good at – I know you don't do social media except for one. 
right? Yes. You're on one platform. Yeah. And it's LinkedIn, right? That's true. Yeah. And that makes the most sense for you based on the work that you do. I, frankly, it's funny because I, I have LinkedIn learning classes. On, I should be focused on LinkedIn. I'm not really focused on any of them. So uh, go to the fifth one, and then I have a follow-up question okay, about sure. like how to help with that. So go to the fifth one. Yeah, so the fifth, the fifth model is affiliate growth. Now, this is a combination mm-hmm. of paid and viral growth because it's essentially where you're compensating people to recommend your product or service or business. But the biggest difference between affiliate growth and paid growth is that you pay after the sale is made. So mm-hmm. whereas with paid growth, you pay $200 for a Facebook ad or a billboard, and you hope – and you might even plan that it's going to make more than $200 back for your business. But right. it might not. With affiliate mm-hmm. growth, you only pay when they get results. And so someone refers a customer to you and you give them a commission on that sale anywhere from maybe 5% to 50%. Totally depends on your industry and your deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can be an incredibly lucrative way to grow. I mean, uh, Nathan Barry, that's how he grew ConvertKit really at the beginning yep. is having an incredible affiliate program for ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like their only really growth model for a long time. And now they're about to hit... $30 million a year in recurring automatic revenue as a bootstrap company. I mean, like that's, so they've done something right. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm a ConvertKit, uh, I'm an early ConvertKit customer. And Nathan, I think Nathan onboarded me. I think oh, he yeah. me. That's how long ago it's that's been. That's great. This, this, I think, is something that can happen with entrepreneurs. I know it's happened with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Having the right people, not just as your customers, but that work with you. Mm. So for example... Um, I, uh, I'm working with an operations coordinator now who I've been very clear about, uh, being okay with pushing back against me, mm. like saying, Hey yeah. Mike, like I'm a big vision, big idea guy, right? Like back to the social thing. Yep. Hey, you know, we should use Pinterest because we've got these planner ideas or we should use Instagram. We should use this. And yet every once in a while she'll hear me say, man, look at my LinkedIn. And I got like so many notifications from all the, like the courses and all that stuff. And she just said, well, maybe that's the one we should focus on. Yeah, but it's not as sexy as Twitter or Facebook (laughs) or whatever. Right. But so how important, and I mean, I didn't get into that too deep in the book, but having the right people around you, not just, not just necessarily working with you either, but like your cheerleaders, your Michael Hyatt's who mm-hmm. is now, you know, you're now, you, you, you don't work for him anymore. Right. You, we're you're promoted now, to, he was, uh, we, we, we were promoted to friends. We actually had that conversation. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But I mean, and it was funny, I was watching, uh, Ted, Ted Lasso, uh, on the flight home that I just took. And, uh, one of the quotes was in order to be your mentor, I have to be your tormentor first. I'm like, Oh, that's Ooh, a really neat quote. <laughs> Um, I can't take credit for it. It was obviously a Ted Lassoism, but um, but I think that like so how how important is it to have those people not just working with you, but those that are your peers, your allies, to help you survive and thrive? Oh, of course, it's huge. But I mean, I think I think just we have to remember that business is nothing but um, an excuse for interacting with people. And right. in fact, here's something that's really fascinating to me. If you mm-hmm. think back to maybe some like high school or college relationships, and you could think back, don't think back to like the extreme examples. Think about like back to like the average examples, the people that like you had a good relationship with and you sort of just lost touch with over time. And you mm-hmm. think about it and you're like, I can't really remember a reason why. Like it wasn't like we had a fight or a disagreement. We just like, and what happened was, is you lost a reason to interact. Yep. And as humans, like our society is built on these transactional things. I mean, Mike, you and I are friends. I like mm-hmm. you. I think you like yep. me. Yeah, I like you. But the reason why we interact (laughs) is because we've lived in the same world of like podcasters and bloggers and conferences. Like it's it's not because we just like hang out and, you know, 
talk about Canada versus the USA or anything like that. Like, it's, it's, right, right. Yeah, we have an excuse. And sure. business, is, business is like an ancient excuse for spending time with people. And so be, yep. be so crit- crucial. It's so crucial that you pick people that you want to do business with and you're on your team who you want to do life with. Because mm-hmm. I think some people make the mistake of trying to say like, yeah, 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 I have employees and then I have – or I have business partners or colleagues. And then after hours, I'm going to go hang out with my friends at the bar. And it's like, well, that's really – that's kind of a that, – that's a mistake actually because if you look at the reason why – um, I need to look up what country this is in, but there is a country. I actually don't know what country is it in, unfortunately. But there is a country today that still has this practice, um, where and and I know because it was an anthropologist who went there to study their like indigenous culture, and she moved into this little hut, and everyone from the town came one by one and dropped something off at her door. You know, a basket mm-hmm. of apples or a small you know hand car- hand carved bowl or all these little things. And she thought, well, this is nice. Are these just gifts? Or and she asked the local guide. She was like, okay, so what do I do? He said, well, you have to give something back and to the, each one of them. And she said, okay, so like if someone gave me a basket of apples, I might give them back like a basket of like pears. And he said, only if you don't want to do have anything to do with them in your life. And she was like, what? <laughs> and he said, if you want them to owe you nothing and therefore have no reason to ever cross paths again, that's how you send a message: is you give them back exactly what they gave you. She said, he said, no, 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 what you do is you give them back something that is either worth more or less than what they gave you, and therefore you owe each other something. Right. And when you owe each other something, you have a reason for a relationship. Yeah, there's a still a transaction. There's still transactions to take place. Yeah, yeah, it, right? and it could go either way. He was saying, like, you can give them something more valuable, give them back mm-hmm. a horse for the bag yep. of apples, and they're like, wow, now I owe you, and we're going to be friends. Or you could give them back something smaller, and then now, like, well, you still owe them, so they're going to keep you rent. Right. It's not about keeping score per se. Right. It's just it's just the the it's just the, the flow, right? Well, it's that's just, just that's just how human society it. works. That's just sure, how, absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's what's fascinating is, is as we're still in the throes of COVID nineteen and travel is limited. Um, like I said, I just got back on a flight, but it was within my own country, and it was to a social occasion where I, it was very clear to me, and this this is why I, what, uh, you brought this to mind when you talked about going to the bar with friends. I was in an environment with people who I love and they're great to be around, but they don't fill that cup of entrepreneurialism. Mm. And I'm very aware of that. I think that's the key too, right? Like I have my friends who work nine to five jobs and are all that stuff. Yeah. But I know that I know what role that is. I don't I don't necessarily always illustrate it, although if those friends are listening to this podcast now they know what role that is. <laughs> um but I also know they probably don't listen to this podcast. Right. <laughs> because it's not their thing. Yeah. But I can tell you that one of the things being in Canada especially is like I can't wait to go back to conferences in the United States yes. because I have far more people that are in that sphere like you were talking about like going to when we hung out at um, Jeff Jeff Goins had a tribe, tribe conference yeah conference or when we were in Boise at the ConvertKit conference yes. a few years ago like there's something about that Those energy. are fond memories Oh and there and there's an energy there that's yeah. palpable I I was saying this to um to a friend of mine, uh, Dave Asprey, who again, I'm not either. I mean, he's a very polarizing figure, oh, okay. but I mean, he's an entrepreneur, and he's. I mean, he does bulletproof coffee and all that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, he, yeah. Oh, he opened a cafe here in my hometown of Victoria. I didn't know about it until uh, two months after it opened, but I went by. I'm like, wait a minute, and I walk in, and the environment was very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. It was very like, oh, I can do work here, and as a matter of fact. Uh, Recently, 
they shut down the place in terms of dining in because we're back in a bit of a wave again, sure. right? So um, I signed up for a co-working space. Why? Which I because own a co-working space. Did you know that? Right. No, I didn't know that. I'm in mean, I mean it right now. So that's this is why I'm in that business yeah. model, by the way, is because what you're describing. There you go. It's because they yep. need to have to gathering places. And so Right, right, right. Yeah. There's a vibe there and it, it, it primes you, right? So I think that that's yeah. it. So go ahead. Like so you, you started a co working space because you felt that that needed to be uh yeah needed to be fulfilled. Yeah, right? fifty eight days before lockdown. So weird timing, <laughs> but um not that anyone's <laughs> counting. Um but yeah, so January twenty twenty I opened my first co working space and we're actually about uh-huh. to we're in the process of relocating into a new facility a, a block mm-hmm. away that's more than twice the size. We're expanding. Right. And also working on our second location. So but Cowork Inc. is now like my core company and yep. my mission is to help entrepreneurs create thriving businesses. And of course, I do that through like the traditional, the modern traditional ways, like a podcast called Thrive School and a book we talked about, that kind of stuff. Yep. But the co-working space for me is a way to say like, I want there to be an embassy for entrepreneurship in your in your city where you can go there and you can know mm-hmm. this isn't just, it's not just a co-working space. Yeah, they have Wi-Fi and coffee, but this is, we have a giant sign of the wall you can't miss when you walk by the street that says mm-hmm. entrepreneurs welcome. Right. And it's just that people are drawn to that or not. And if they're not, it's mm-hmm. not offensive. Like no one goes like, you know, oh, wow, how dare they, you know? Yeah, but that's marketing 101. If you try to serve everybody, right. you serve nobody, right? Exactly. So by like saying, hey, this is, and I mean, I know. I walked into Upgrade. I'm like, oh, I know these people. I, I know why these people are here. Yeah. They are fans of Dave's work, and that's fine. Um, well, I went to the co-working space that we're at, and it's very, there's a vibe there that I really like. As we as we get close to wrapping up, um, I want to... Uh, the the important thing here is survive and thrive. Yes. So as as we wrap up, uh, is there a tipping point that you feel that from the survive to the thrive? Is it is it a delicate balance? Is it like this, or is it like you, like what's what's that bridge look like for people? I mean, obviously reading the book, getting to know the work you do, uh, but there's got to be like for some people there's there is that moment where they went, oh, I'm no longer just getting by. Now I'm getting ahead and I'm and I'm able to, you know, be free and have the profits and, and be able to fulfill the things I want to do in my not just in my work, but in my life. So yeah. when they're going through this book and maybe even just for you, where was that point where it went like, oh, the flip, the, the switch flipped. Yeah. And now I've gone from but I want to make sure that the lights stay uh, that that switch stays flipped and doesn't flip back in the other direction. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to just um, just just commit to the goal of having a lifestyle business. Now, Mike, maybe you've heard this. This term is sometimes used as an insult. Have you heard it sure. used this way? I've heard, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're building a lifestyle business over there. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, first of all, why would you build anything but a lifestyle business? Why would you build a business that doesn't fuel your lifestyle? That I've never understood that. Right. Um, that's what I'm in business to do. And so, yeah, I want to help a lot of people and grow a big business, but not for the sake of growing a big business. It's for the sake that of fueling the lifestyle that I want. So, well, and that, and that's the difference between say like a WeWork and like right. what you're doing, right? Right. That's exactly. the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. We yes, yes. There are lots of philosophical. Differences. I I said that, not you. I said that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, there's actually an in-depth article I've written on my website called. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's called "How We Work Became We Broke." Um, yeah, yeah. That makes that makes a whole lot of sense. So, we'll link we'll link to that in the show. Notes. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Okay, so come back to the question at hand. So I think the first thing is just committing to the fact that your business is there's no there's nothing wrong about recognizing that as an entre- entrepreneurs are a very unique breed. 
And to be an entrepreneur means you're, the world is counting on you to solve problems. And there are also rewards available on the other side of that really hard work for, that, for the sacrifices it's going to take to do that. But that's what thriving is. Thriving is, is building, an, building a system that generates wealth consistently. I mean, that's what a business is when it's done, when it's built well. So for survival, the first thing I would say is that you need to recognize that that's not the goal. Like you need to check the box of survival, but the goal, mm-hmm. is, the goal is thriving. And so that's why right. the book is called Survive and Thrive. Because in, in the moment of panic and you're wondering, are we going to survive this? Okay, well, you need to check that box first. I'm not going to try to mislead you by saying, no, 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 don't worry. One day it's going to be amazing. No, no, you have to check the box first of surviving before you can work towards thriving. But um, the principles that I teach in my book walk you through having a basic marketing system in place, a basic sales system in place, and a basic finance system in place because those are the three most important areas of your business in my, mm-hmm. and not just my opinion, a lot of people's opinions. If you don't have a steady stream of customers coming in, buying products, and a good way to manage that money, you don't have a business. It doesn't right. matter if you have 100,000 right. followers on Instagram or TikTok. You don't have a business if you don't have the marketing, sales, and finance machine. So that's mm-hmm. crucial. I actually have an assessment you can use. If you're like not sure, you're like, well, I'm not sure what systems I have in place or don't have in place. I actually have a free assessment you can use uh, to do that. So you can just go to yourthrivescore.com. It asks you questions about your business, and then you get a numerical score based on how, like on a scale of 1 to 100 of how well you're doing. Now, if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I'm not sure if my business is going to survive the next three months and your score comes out and it's an 18, that's good news because you have all this opportunity to go back through Mm -hmm. your results and, okay, so what if I introduce a gateway product into my business that's a clear, painless purchase for customers? Or what if I introduce a flagship product that's more of a high-priced product? Or what if I introduce profit first, some of the things we talked about today? Each one of those things is going to increase your score, but you don't actually get a report card. The score is just meant to help you, you know, actually grow your bank account it's like a credit score it's like oh yeah i gotta do this like it's kind of like yes and i think that what's fascinating is as you're talking about this it's the idea this relates to time management too it's like we have the primitive part of our brain that's just meant to survive and the prefrontal cortex which is meant to thrive that's and the thing is at the at the end of the day it's like if you give that that prefrontal cortex as much help as it can possibly have which are those fundamentals then because the other thing is sometimes we get stuck in just surviving because thriving is like doing that other stuff is hard right like it is not because i mean surviving is just all frankly the primitive part of us is meant to do like all we are meant to do is and so if if you put those and i remember listening to uh david robinson uh the basketball player the the great san antonio spurs he said in order to be um great you have to be great at the fundamentals Mm -hmm. like you have to be great at the fundamentals first so i mean you're not going to do a 360 dunk, uh, you know. If you could do that all day long, but you can't pass a, a ball, yep. then then I don't want to play with you, right? Yep. So it's like that that survival element. So I think that that's key, and I think you're right. I like the fact that the and is there. It's not survive or thrive. It's survive and thrive. Yes. Um, the book is called Survive and Thrive: How to Build a Profitable Business in Any Economy, including this one. So wherever you're, where whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> including right this now. One. Um, John, where can people pick up the book and keep up with you and your work? Uh, if you go to surviveandthrivebook.com, that's where you can get uh, a copy of the book. And you can find, of course, you can get it anywhere you want to, like on Amazon or Barnes Noble or Audible or you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but go to surviveandthrivebook.com. You find links to all those places along with some free resources that go with the book. So um, like a fill-in-the-blank playbook and some other resources that will help you actually put this into practice. And then, of course, I already mentioned where you can get the 
you, the Thrive Score assessment at, at yourthrivescore.com. You will find links there where you can find me on LinkedIn and other places if you'd like to follow my podcast uh, or listen to uh, or or I can't really listen to my email newsletter, I guess, but or you know my email newsletter. Um, but uh, and we'll link you know. and we'll link to all that in the show notes as well. Great, like, thanks, that way Mike. that way there's no issue finding John. And uh, again, John, thanks thanks again for joining me uh, for a productive conversation. Oh, this has been uh, my pl- it's been a pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work. John brought the goods once again. Thanks to him for joining me on this podcast episode. You can find the show notes at productivityist.com slash podcast 403. Click on the links, pick up his book, do all that fun stuff, and then hit the subscribe button on the podcast device that you're using right now, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come, including next week's episode where I'm speaking with another returning guest. Stacey Tushel's coming back to talk about something very productive. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's going to be another productive conversation. You don't want to miss it. And when you're a subscriber, you can also easily search the archive so you can find past episodes where I've talked with Stacey and with John and with other folks in a very productive way. So hit that subscribe button. And if you want to support the show, the other way you can do that is by checking out our sponsors. You can find that through the uh, show notes page, of course. And we also have a podcast sponsors page as well. Thanks to them for supporting this program, including the sponsors you heard today. That's it for now. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of A Productive Conversation with me, Mike Vardy. Until next time, this is me, Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.